0: A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is the story of Star Wars. You can read along with me in your book. O is for Obi-Wan Kenobi. All rebel fighters met at fleet headquarters to plan their attack. Princess Leia addressed them.
1: Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No. No. I am your father. Hello, I am C-3PO, and you are about to listen to the story of Star Wars. Another chapter is here. Welcome to Don't Burn the Sacred Text, your Clashing Savers look at all things canon in the written form and the audio form. You know, well, you know what? I'm going to save it. Hashtag save it. Uh, I'm here. I'm Brandon. I am one of your co-hosts, and I'm also here with my lovely co-host. She is more amazing than a jumping high five between Chewbacca and Han Solo that does the little freeze phrase frame thing like they did in the 80s, it's Lindsay.
0: Oh, and I picture it with 80s sitcom music playing in the background. Absolutely.
1: Too. And then, like, the cheesy graphics pop up.
0: Always. Yeah, you need it. And may may I say, you killed that intro. I know, I know it took us a take or two. But...
1: <laughs> you just, you're not going <laughs> to... Got it. <laughs> you're not going to just let this act act like it's the first time? We just be natural about it? You're just going to...
0: No, no. Where's the fun in that? that and it's that not like up. you have an audio recording of me listening to the Sonic trailer for the first time to hold over my head or anything. <laughs> what?
1: I don't know what you're talking about on the Facebook group. Um, yeah, that was fun. You know, speaking of like throwback 80s stuff. So for Halloween at my school, we do um with, like we call it a vocabulary parade. Or, um, no, that's a different one. I call it a book character uh, parade because it's also, like, Read Across America Day. And um, so people, like, dress up as, as their favorite characters. And we had a lot of, like, Star Wars-like characters. And so many of them were in, like, old costumes that looked like they came from, like, 77. You know, like, just the cheaply made plastic. And I don't know if... if they're just making them cheap again, or if it's retro or something. But they were pretty cool.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, they were pretty cool.
0: That is really cool. Oh, you gotta send me pictures. Oh,
1: <laughs> I gotta find pictures. I have so. <laughs> Literally, I because you know I do the social media and everything for the school, so I I deleted pictures this past week, and I think there was like something like fifteen hundred pictures on there. Wow. It was ridiculous because like. I'm not a great photographer, so I just use the strategy of if I just take a lot of pictures, something has to be good. It sounds like my cousin with pictures of her cats. Well, you know, I'm working on my Instagram (laughs) husband status, so I'm trying to get that game up, but we'll see. (laughs) So what's what's up with you, Lindsay? What's been going on in your life? What are you reading
0: um I am actually now that I had to renew my Audible subscription for what we're going to review tonight um I'm actually trying to take advantage of it and not putting that to waste so I've been actually going through on my drive to and from work and listening to the Darth Bane trilogy
1: Ooh that's a good Yeah one. yeah I just I just did a reread of that and it was interesting because we talked about the episode one novelization last week, um, and and I actually just finished that. And there's actually a, a section on Darth Bane in there, um, and and it, it it matches up pretty pretty well with uh, what happens in that trilogy. So it was pretty interesting. Yeah, that's awesome. One thing I'm so I, I'm going through the the novelizations like I mentioned on the last show, and it's kind of fun now trying to retcon some of the things that happen in those books with some of the books we have now. Because, like, I'm on Attack of the Clones uh, right now, and there's a lot of stuff that actually happens, like, before the movie. There's, like, three, two or three chapters that are before the movie, and you get to see, like, uh, Anakin having a dream about his mom, and you get to actually go with me to uh, the, the Lars homestead, and there's a, a couple passages with Padme, and one of them, um, she still has Panaka as the head of her security. Or I guess, here's the thing: it never actually says he's the head of security. So what does it, what does it say? It doesn't say anything. It just say, it just calls him Panaka, uh, and then there's also Typho, who is is still his his nephew, and if you think to Queen shadow, you know, Panaka retires and uh, his his wife takes over, I believe, and then Typho yeah. kind of steps in. So I was kind of like, hmm, how could I retcon this into actually fitting? And I came up with this whole theory about, like, Panaka actually stayed on as a consultant and helped out <laughs> with all this.
0: <laughs> you know what, though? Based on Queen's shadow, I feel like he absolutely would.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think he... I don't think he would enjoy it, but I think he would do it. He's like the <laughs> he's like the boxing coach, you know, that comes out and he's like, oh, I don't want to trade this <laughs>
0: kid.
1: That's what I imagine.
0: Oh, that's such a perfect analogy for him.
1: The novelizations are fun, though. I, I liked yeah, the and, episode one.
0: Uh, attack the Clones was always my favorite, so I'm happy that you're on that. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on it, because, I mean, I obviously haven't read it since I was like 12 years old. So I'd like to hear your thoughts and see if it's as good as I remember. But I remember rereading that over and over. That was literally like my TV show moment <laughs> where, you know, when kids like don't want their parents to know they're still up reading. Yeah. So they take the flashlight under the cover. I used to do that all the time because I shared a room with my twin sister. So I was like, well, I can't wake her up. <laughs> so I really was the kid under the covers with my flashlight reading that book for like the eight or ninth time.
1: Yeah, I, I dig the first, like, few chapters. I'm right at the beginning part of Attack of the Clones now, like the actual film itself. So it's kind of a lot of setup, and I'm, I'm kind of speed reading through it because it's...
0: You know it. Yeah, yeah. I know
1: it, yeah. Mm-hmm. But the, the nuggets that we got... Because here's the thing. Like, when with regards to the novelizations, Lucasfilm has said to the point where they don't contradict what's actually happening on screen, they're canon. So, okay. so like, thinking about that, you have, like, for example, Padme, before she goes to uh, Coruscant to vote for the Military Creation Act, actually sitting with her sister and, and looking at um, their two kids and her, you know, playing and kind of giving you that foreshadowing of her and Anakin and maybe that there's something outside of politics for her um, kind of thing. So... Thinking about that being canon is one thing. Or this was a this was a really interesting one, which I I wish had been in the movie. There was actually a scene after the explosion on the landing bay where Palpatine actually announces Amidala dead to the Senate at large, and then she comes in in like a heroic moment to stand up and say, "I'm not dead, and I will not you know stand for this kind of thing." And it was like it just made. Padme look like the badass that she is. And so I wish I like
0: that too, because I feel like if they were to rewrite it in the new Canon, it would be like, but Mon Mothma stuck up for her and Bail Organa. So for to give her that moment, I think is really nice and something we've kind of gotten away from.
1: Yeah. The other thing that really sticks out to me about it and so, like, these books came out before the movies, right, for all the prequels ones. Well, really, for everything up till the the Disney era, they all came out before the movie. So you're you're working off of a rough draft of the movie, which is why you have some differences. But just in general, the dialogue in the book is so far superior to the dialogue in the actual movie. There's, oh, yeah. There's just there's moments that
0: that, that's saying much well
1: (laughs) yes but like for example one thing that's always bothered me is when anakin opens up to obi-wan about his dreams and obi-wan's like dreams pass in time but if you in the novelization it actually talk anakin is talking about this could be a vision you know this could be uh more than just a dream And, and they're kind of discussing like what is a vision what is just a dream like what is your potential? What could the Force show you? And then it ends with the the line of you know dreams pass in time, and it's more of just like a segue of like, all right, we're gonna agree to disagree, and and move on uh, from this because that's not our focus right now. Whereas in the movie, Obi Wan kind of comes off as a bit of a jerk there. So I just kind of wonder. I hate I hate saying anything negative about George Lucas because he he brought so much, but. I mean he admits struggling with with dialogue. And so I wonder if like the dialogue that's in here is based on the script and then they cut it down for the film or if the dialogue in here is is just improving on what was on the script cuz you have more time to play it out. That's a good question. Yeah. And
0: you know, I I love George Lucas. Happy belated birthday. Oh
1: yeah. Se- 75, right?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think so, yeah. But I, I wish he, he knew when to give up control of certain things. And I think that the book-to-movie comparison for the prequels really show that he maybe should have let someone else kind of take a stab at a lot of the dialogue. Um, but but uh, again, I'm going to be interested to hear your kind of final thoughts on the Attack of the Clones novel and where you land on it.
1: Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to finishing it. I'm about 130 pages in, so it shouldn't take me too much longer i'm hoping to be able to get this and revenge of the sith done before alphabet squadron comes out that's the goal we'll see if it actually happens.
0: it's pretty realistic i mean it's a we realistic
1: got, goal we've got like a month so yeah yeah we'll see anyways uh we are talking about dooku jedi lost tonight and even though it's not technically a book it, it is kind of an audio drama and, and we felt like this was the appropriate show to discuss it on um, and we're going to get to that in just a minute, but I want to go ahead and get just a couple plugs out of the way so we can focus on the book. If you haven't listened already to the most recent episode, uh, our Rogue One Top 3 Bottom 3 for the uh, flagship show, we are giving away a Krennic Pop vinyl over there, um, so you can go listen on how you can, can do that. Uh, spoiler alert, just go leave us a rating and a review and send me a picture. Um, and I also want to give a shout-out to Michelle, Um, our good friend of the show and of the podcast network and the website and just just Michelle you're amazing Um, but she sent me from um, I just forgot the name of it Star Wars Celebration yeah the place where everybody got to go except for me Um, she sent me the Ahsoka poster from the Clone Wars panel and the Rebels poster from the Rebels Remembered uh, panel. So like,
0: Michelle.
1: I got like literally like goosebumps, like my eyes watered when I saw the Ahsoka uh, poster. So I got to go get them framed and figure out exactly where. I, I know where I'm going to put the Ahsoka one. I'm going to put it right on the back wall of, of my studio so that I can pretty much just look at it while I'm podcasting all the time. And then I got to find a spot for the Rebels one. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to. Say a thank you to Michelle because I cannot thank you She's enough. She's too good. I love her. She's the best. All right. You ready to get into this thing?
0: I've been ready. Okay. I'm, I'm excited to chat about this one.
1: Okay. So before we get started, how many times have you listened to this uh, like fully?
0: I have fully listened to this twice now.
1: Okay. So I have two. So we're all on the same page. And mm-hmm. just in general as a storytelling method, how did you feel about this audio drama format?
0: I liked it. I wish they also gave the option, and I know in the UK they announced that they're going to have a hardcover, but I wish that they had an option for, like, a transcript afterwards, even. I I would absolutely listen to the, I guess, audio drama, we're calling it. Um, you know, I, I would definitely do that again if they release another one. For me, though, I'm such a visual learner, and for a lot of these names of people of things of artifacts and places i just need to see it you know i i'm trying to take notes on it and i'm trying to remember what's what and it was just really difficult for me to uh to i don't want to say get into but i guess just get used to
1: yeah yeah i kind of had the same feeling because like When I'm reading a book, even if I'm, like, reading and I don't have notes... Like, for example, when I'm reading before I go to sleep. Like, normally I end up falling asleep um, and Brooke has to clean up my book and turn the light off and everything. (laughs) Um, So, I... I own a bunch of bookmarks. I barely use my bookmarks. So as I'm going through like the pages trying to remember where I was at, I'll be like, oh, yeah, there was that thing I noted last night, and I'll be able to go write myself a note on my phone. Mm-hmm. Well, this, I was listening to it a lot while I was driving or cooking or stuff, and it was harder for me to stop and take notes um, on it. And so being able to actually go through the second time, I feel like I got a lot more out of it. I think it's one of those things where – it does kind of depend on how on how you take in content because I'm kind of with you too. Like, there's just a there's a difference with how your brain recognizes like a voice versus a word, you know. And that's where I found the most difficulty was like this person's talking. Oh wait, hold, hold on, whose voice is this? Like for example, the two um, female Jedi masters, the the one. And, and see, I can't. I don't even remember their names. That's terrible. Um, but the one that kind of touches on the dark side with Dooku, and then the one who um, is the... Sat on the council. Sat on the council. Yeah. The two of them, I just... I mean, the first time I listened through, I thought it was the one who had betrayed, and it was the other one. It was very confusing. But that Yeah, said, the
0: second time was a lot easier, because yeah. the first time I was focusing so much trying to rem- remember who everyone was, what voices they were, and then just trying to figure out what was important. You know, there are so many side stories in this drama and so many little keys that I think are going to be really important in other stories later on. um, But the tiny little details weren't important in this. And the second time I listened, having known that, I was able to, I think, follow through a little bit more because I wasn't so hung up on, you know, what what was the name of this mask and what was the name of the person in this statue? Yeah. Things like that, that I, I was worried there was going to be some kind of really big payoff later on and I had to remember every little detail. Once I got past that, the second time going through, I think I followed followed along with the different voices much easier.
1: The one thing that caused me some consternation was actually how the story was framed um, with Ventress kind of reading the story herself. Because you would take such long segments of the story with Dooku, and then all of a sudden you jump back to Ventress. And I didn't feel like I had time to to go like, oh, hold on, what's going on with Ventress? So the first time through, like I don't remember anything for the first like two thirds before ventress finds his sister i don't remember i didn't remember any of it now that i've listened back through it and i i kind of was more prepared for when that was going to happen um i was okay with it but just in general i felt like it should have just been straight a dooku story like you don't need to have this framework of ventress actually discovering the story but how did you feel about how they framed it with ventress and everything
0: Yeah, I wish it had a little bit more of a payoff. I feel like her story wasn't really important. Um, Yeah, especially knowing her from Dark Disciple and what a fantastic character she is in that and how much depth there was. So when I think of her part of this story as just an added layer, I like it. Um, Knowing where she ends up, knowing the person she becomes... I like this as a little bit of an origin story, but as a standalone piece, I thought it was totally unnecessary. We didn't need her in this story. There was nothing really major that we discovered about her for just the story. Um, and, and there was enough going on in Dooku's backstory that we didn't need it uh, to play devil's advocate to that own po- To my own point though, the only reason why we might have needed it is to explain the time jumps in the story.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I think what really caused me issue there was how she was having a conversation with her master. And first of all, like, understanding that that was in her head, I didn't feel like was was extremely clear right from the get-go. Um, but then, honestly, I felt myself questioning, like, is this a Force ghost? Like, right, how does the Force I, work?
0: I kind of landed on it was a Force ghost. Well, but but
1: then Dooku invades her mind and shows that it's a figment at the end. So, I don't know. Tell me why you thought it was a Force ghost, I guess.
0: I think just because of everything else that we've gotten recently and kind of the stress on Force ghosts and, you know, the importance of them in the prophecy, how you become them, the difference between the light and the dark. If we had this story, you know, two years ago, before The Last Jedi, before Master and Apprentice, maybe I wouldn't have thought it was a Force ghost. But because it's been planted in our minds so frequently as of late, um, I was kind of like, yeah, it makes sense. Why not throw one more in? Yeah, I kind of... But
1: see, this that's that conversation in my head had really distracted me from the venture's story uh, overall. I think what they were trying to do was show you that ventress has a conscience um mm. and that you know she kind of add more to that redemption arc but i i don't feel like we need it i feel like her teaming up with ahsoka in clone wars and what we saw in dark disciple is enough like justification for her redemption and it, and it honestly it's kind of frustrating to me that sometimes we take these characters who maybe don't start out super well or a uh, Not super well, but who don't start out as engrossed on the light side as like Luke, for example. Um, And like Han, you know, he starts out a little bit of a rogue, but then you go to his backstory and you make him more of a good guy. And while I love Solo, it does take a little bit away from the rogue that we saw in A New Hope. And I I just, I don't know, just the whole thing rubs me the wrong way.
0: Yeah, and not even for Ventress's sake, but... You know, it probably is more of a figment of her imagination just because it would take away from the monumental thing Qui-Gon Jinn was able to um, figure out. You know, when we see him in or I guess hear him in from a certain point of view, it's so clear that this is something really big and special because he was able to talk to Yoda and talk to Obi-Wan and he was the first one in generations to figure that out. So to have this lackluster, not-really-accepted Jedi have done it before him, I think would take away from that moment.
1: Yeah. And I just... It didn't seem to fit with Ventress's character that she would have this figment of her... Almost this...
0: No, I think I think it would just because it's so early on. It seems like it was really early on in her and Dooku's partnership, and maybe that's just something that they had to answer a little bit cl- more clearly. Um, but my impression was it was still early on enough that she might have been doubting herself and doubting a recent decision to join him.
1: I guess that could make sense. I'm just thinking of Ventress more as like, somebody who feels emotion coming and just like shuts everything down, you know, and blocks everything off and, and, um, but but maybe this is why, yes, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. This could, this could be the origin of that. Speaking of origins, this is, there's, there's one more like grudge. Well, yeah. One more grudge that I have to get off my chest. And this is kind of a big one for the story because and this is why we must temper our expectations, folks. Going into this story, I thought, oh, so we're going to figure out why Dooku left the Jedi Order and why he joined Palpatine. And we got half of it because we figured out how he left the Jedi Order. So he leaves to go back and, and take the spot as the Count of which was kind of something that was implied um, through just the story overall and the mythology that we have already but we didn't really get anything about why he joined Palpatine and why he actually completely turned to the dark side and became a Sith. So I guess that was just something that I was expecting, and so it bothers me a little bit. How did you feel about what we got about Dooku in this book?
0: I like that it didn't fill in all the blanks. You know, obviously it leaves future storytelling open, I think if you had someone like Palpatine, you know, we we can see in just the Rise of Skywalker trailer when you put someone like Palpatine in, that kind of overshadows the rest. So if you were to have Palpatine or Darth Sidious in this story, it really would have eclipsed everything going on with Dooku and Sifo-Dyas and them tapping into the dark side there. Um, so So I'm okay with having left it out just because it allows us to focus on, I think, the right things.
1: Yeah, I guess what I really just wanted was more of a direct like, line where we could see why it happened or how it happened. You know, I don't necessarily like need the actual happening of him turning to the dark side, but it, this story comes to such a clean conclusion of him becoming the Count of Soreno. It just leaves a lot of questions in my mind of, okay, did he start the Separatist movement first or did he join Palpatine first and what role did the prophecies play? I think if this hadn't come out at the same time as Master and Apprentice, I would be thinking about this a lot less, but I'm thinking a lot about the prophecies and how they affected Dooku and how they could have potentially led him to the dark side because that idea has brought up so much in Master and Apprentice.
0: Yeah, but I... I would imagine that's why they didn't. If we started in with how he joined with Palpatine slash Sidious, how he started the separatist movement, this would really become just a prequel to the Clone Wars, whereas what we get allows it to be more of a counterpiece to Master and Apprentice.
1: I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. There was something buried in here that I found really fascinating that I, I, I haven't really seen people pick up on, it, and I wanted to ask you about it. Ooh, so okay, when we first see Dooku go to Sereno the very first time, he has <laughs> a recognition of the planet, and also he has the recognition of his sister, it, just this, this feeling, which to me is implied, you use feeling in Star Wars, you're talking about the Force, right? That's a loaded word. So you have Dooku remembering this, which makes me think about Luke uh, on Dagobah, saying it's like something out of a dream, uh, Leia remembering her mother. Does the Force leave these little tendrils from your past to connect you to the future? Like these little, I don't want to say memories, because but, but like a Force remnant that connects you with kind of your origin and maybe something that you won't remember, that, but that's important to your your destiny or your fate. What do you think about that?
0: I think so. I think that really explains things like Leia saying she remembered her mother. Uh we also see it in oh god, what was that comic book? Shattered Empire. Yeah, with the monster. Yeah, stuff. she goes to Naboo, which is probably the best like three panels of any comic book Ever <laughs> when yeah. she goes back to Nampoo and and the hangar doors open and she can have that vision of Darth Maul. Um, you know, and that was Leia who had never even been there. But I think it can embed other people's memories in you so that you do know which path to take. Uh so I, I didn't pick up on that either, to be honest. I think there was so much else going on with the story, you know, like we said before, we were this happens early on in the story. Um, so still trying to wrap my head around this method of storytelling, even the second time around, I didn't pick up on it, but yeah, that's a really good point. And I think it does start to explain other things that we see in star Wars, maybe even some force visions that our girl Ray has.
1: Yeah. Yeah. that yeah, yeah. That could definitely be it. I, I also really like how they set up Dooku in this story. Um, because they, they gave him a connection to the dark side. And here's what I mean by that. Serenno, we are told, is a planet from the Sith Empire. So that's one thing. Um, he has the connection to the dark side dragon-like creature uh, mm-hmm. that, that's mythological in Sereno, um, that he wakes up. And it's just... The feel you get of Dooku in this audio drama when he was a Jedi next to what we see in Attack of the Clones and in the Clone Wars. Like to me, it's a one-to-one like he may have turned to the dark side, but he still seems like the exact same person. So it almost like, it makes you wonder about what the, the role of fate and destiny is in star Wars, you know, like did he, choose to go to the dark side or was he always destined to go that way because that's the way I don't want to say the story needed to go but the direction the galaxy needed to go
0: that's a, that's a good question and I had kind of wondered that myself um, mostly because when we're we meet him and he has this connection to Sereno and his sister and we're learning a little bit more about his parents really giving him up You know, we we see Ahsoka and we know about these Seekers who would go around and find these children. But Dooku, right from the start, seemed a little different. You know, they talk about how his father left him outside naked and unsheltered. And that's how Yoda had to go and personally pick him up that way. was outside this, I would imagine, this giant castle. And I picture it really in baby in a basket baby Moses type thing. Yeah. Um, uh, so that to me was a real nature versus nurture question. Because as, like you said, as a young Jedi initiate, we start to see the same qualities we see of Darth Tyranus, which is this pride, this boastfulness, this confidence. Is there something that his father noticed in him as a baby? that made him a little bit afraid and made him want to cast his own child out? Or was the fact that his father did this to him what maybe helped him start to touch the dark side? You know, such a real nature versus nurture, chicken or the egg type question as to why he is this way. But we definitely do, like you said, see that one-to-one ratio of him from a Jedi initiate to apprentice to master to eventual dark side user.
1: Well, and if we if we run with the theory that the force leaves remnants of times you wouldn't remember, like there could be something that he doesn't doesn't even understand that's inside of him.
0: 100%. Yeah. Even no. just how his
1: father treated him would stick with him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I wonder if because obviously like the the Jedi themselves, the seekers that go out and find the children, they're going to feel the force connection with said child, right? But his his father calls him a freak and, and outcasts him, and obviously doesn't have force capabilities himself doesn't like the jedi all that stuff right so what you said about like what caused him to to give him up is a really interesting point because I like what what was it like did he have lightning coming out of his little baby fingers probably not, <laughs> but like I'm wondering if maybe the the creature started to growl or something, you know, or Ooh. he noticed some kind of connection with that ancient legend and was afraid of of being the one to revive that
0: that'd be really cool. I don't think we'll ever get the answer to that, but that you know i I confirm that head canon actual canon yeah. I like it
1: yeah i i I dig it, so. Approved i I dig my own theory wow <laughs> way to pat yourself on the back there Brandon. um so one of the things I was excited about coming into this book was g- actually getting some Cypherdeus content um, and and seeing that connection there and, and for one with what we see of Cypherdes in here, I feel like it makes a lot of sense that duku would use that name as a cover name um one because of his connection to it. Two, because of the visions that we see, Sifydeus have, um, maybe it was it was almost a way of Dooku paying homage uh, to a lost friend, but also because we see that Sifydeus was always kind of on the edge of insanity, for lack of a better term, um, and, and so if somehow it got to the Jedi Council that this this army was ordered, it would almost kind of make sense of why it would happen and and so it would limit the collateral damage um on on it because one of i mean the big thing with with in here is him getting those visions of the future so one what did you think of sifo as a character here and two how did you feel about him actually getting these visions as actually being able to see um these things that have been alluded to
0: Oh, I loved him, and that I I think he actually had a stronger arc than Dooku himself. Like you said, we we see these really big similarities between young Dooku and old Dooku. So really, his, Dooku's arc is more about a story and a plot and how he got there, whereas Safo His arc is a character doing a total 180 and going from this promising young boy to basically an insane old man. Um, I really liked his story, not just for his character, but also what it was able to show us about the Jedi Order itself and to see how totally uncompassionate they were to their own kind. You know, they talk about how the Jedi actually have, they call it, correctional facilities where they send people who have foresight, and they're basically just trying to hide all these people under the rug out of fear. And, and I think it, it really does show the early collapse of the Jedi
1: Order through just that one character, isn't it? They they say they send them to the Citadel, right? Which is, wouldn't that be the same place we see in Clone Wars? That's what that's what I th- imagined when when I oh, saw the Citadel. You're right. Yeah. Right. And yeah, no, that was definitely something that I noticed as well because. You get you get these characters like QuiGon, which we've had, Anakin, of course, you know, sees the problems, but now we're getting these characters that we didn't have before, like Rail of who is mentioning the problems, and these other characters who are they are honestly they're just complacent because they're not doing anything about it. They're not actually doing anything to confront the council about their issues. They're going off on the side and being passive-aggressive about it. You know, I think about sifo and his master going out and, uh, you know, searching for these dark side artifacts or the council member who secretly, you know, had a baby and stuff. And it's interesting because Yoda, which this matches up with what we see of Yoda in Master and Apprentice, says that, you know, if she had come forward and and told them that she was pregnant, the, the Jedi would have helped her. And I'm not convinced that's true. Nope. Uh-uh, no, 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 no. No, not true. Period. End of story. Not true. There's no way. Sure. Okay, let me back that that truck up. They would have helped her. They would have helped her, probably taken her child and sent her to the citadel. That's honestly what I think would happen. They would find some moral absolutist way to justify it. That's what I think would yeah. happen.
0: Yeah. There's there's no way they would help her in the way that you and I would take the meaning of the word help. You know, in in their minds and in their council room, maybe it would pass as helping, but there is absolutely no way any lay person would see whatever they did as helping. Yeah. Um, it, They really do tend to cast out their own. Um, even even just um, yeah, and it kills me not having an actual book because, like you, I I really struggle right now remembering all their names. But Sifo master, who goes around and collects all these ancient artifacts, I thought was one of the coolest characters we have ever met. Oh yeah, I absolutely loved her. But for her to have this open mind, and her way of testing people is really really put them through the ringer, you know? She takes these two young kids and tries to make them think that she's a Sith Lord, and that's her version of testing someone, you know? That's not the pillar of trust and openness and light that the Jedi have always made themselves out to be.
1: Well, and I think, especially in this, more than really anything else, but... I think it fits in with the whole narrative of Star Wars. There's a difference between a Jedi, what the Jedi, what a Jedi should be, and what the Jedi Order should be, right? And if we make that differentiation, we have these characters that we see are right and that we see are are seeing the light, like Qui Gon, for example, like Ahsoka. Um, even if we go to characters like Cheerit, like to me those are what a jedi should be right and that's really different from the jedi order which i think is really what we're seeing be corrupted you know because the jedi order is based around the council and the council's decision so if those 12 are i mean shoot able to be corrupted by gangsters you know um as lost as Yoda seems to be, as clouded as he seems to be in Master and Apprentice and in this, the order itself was corrupted, but I I feel like at the same time, we shouldn't just throw all these Jedi under the bus because there were some who were out there doing really important things. And I think that this shows that, like it didn't necessarily fit in with the order and how the order functioned. But it was something that needed to be done. Does that make sense?
0: It does. It does. It's almost like reverse synergy. You know, when we talk about synergy, we talk about the order itself would even be greater than every single Jedi put together. But to have the Jedi order and everything it means is somehow even greater than all of that. Whereas this is the opposite. This is like, hey, if you start to take out these individual Jedi, they're probably better than the even the entire Order. And they're better as individuals and better off alone when they don't have the Order and the, uh, the principles of the Order kind of bringing them down.
1: Well, and that's, I mean, I feel like that's something that's going to be dealt with in Rise of Skywalker, or at least in the materials around Rise of Skywalker is whatever Ray forms this new i don't even want to say order this new organization to be you know um and and how it functions i i have this vision of like more less of a a police force and more of a missionary force um where they're not controlled by the senate because we've obviously seen that that's a major issue um but they're out more on Missionary style works, and
0: I mean more. Oh, I I just thought of something. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I really love in this still throws me off not saying book in this drama is the connections that we got to the ancient Jedi Order and some of the things that they used to do. Oh yeah. And are you thinking the uh, what we call upon the three light, dark, and balance true? One is no greater than the others. Together they unite, restore, center, and renew. We walk into the light, acknowledge the dark, and find balance within ourselves for the force is strong. And they did that while wrapping their hands up in those bandages. How much would you love if the bandages and the wraps that Ray wears... Uh,
1: Stop it! (laughs) Stop it! My heart can't handle this!
0: Oh man, oh man! But no, I think she's gonna start bringing stuff like that back.
1: That would be awesome. That would be okay. So I actually made another connection to Rise of Skywalker when Dooku is uh, invading um, Ventress's mind and and proving to her that the the vision of her master is just a figment of her imagination. He mm-hmm. says, and I quote, "No one comes back from the dead." No one. Ooh. right. Could this be I, I, again, tinfoil hat, crackpot theory. All right, there's rise of Skywalker. Could we actually have a resurrection? Not like a force ghost, but like a full-on resurrection. Because what did Anakin wanted to do, want to do? He wanted to be able to stop people from dying, right? So what if Kylo and Ray, Finish what he started by not just figuring out how to stop people from dying, but how to bring people back to life.
0: I would love for a failed attempt of that. I I hope that's what they are trying to do. I hope they don't actually do it, though.
1: Could be cool. But either way, at the very least, the the no one comes back from the dead no one idea definitely connects with the Force ghosts and what we have there and, and shows the flaws of the Sith. But I was like... Hmm. There's a, really I felt like more even more than like the character development for Dooku or Syphodist or anything else, it was the the insight that it gave us into the Jedi Order that really set this apart from some of the other things that we got. Because even in a book like Master and Apprentice, where we do get some Jedi stuff, I don't feel like it was it was a lot more character focused where I feel like this was a lot more um showing like you mentioned before, the faults of the order and how, how deep they ran. One of them that I had a big issue with is actually how the masters chose their Padawans, which was through lightsaber duels. To me, it
0: seemed very goblet of fire to me. Well,
1: here's the thing I'm, I'm working under the impression that this was the only thing that they saw, right? Mm-hmm. I think somewhere, probably going to be wrong on this, but somewhere in the expanded universe, they talked about there being, like, different trials. So lightsaber combat was part of it, but they were tested in other arenas, um, and that's how the master shows. But just having it purely off of lightsaber combat, I mean, this is coming from somebody who loves lightsaber combat, but to... For that to be how a a master picks his Padawan just seems like a really flawed system.
0: No, I I do think you're right about there being other trials. I think it might have come from the original Master and Apprentice junior novel series or junior reader type series uh, with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. So I think you're right about that. And yeah, it it seemed super weird to me. And I understand that some masters like Dooku ended up teaching these classes and knowing these kids from the time they were younglings and having a better idea of who they were and who they wanted. But I certainly got the same impression that some masters, that is all they saw of certain students, Um, definitely seemed like a flawed system to me.
1: Yeah, and, and, I mean, it, it continues to show the Jedi as basically the police of the galaxy, you know? They're they're focused on the what they can do and not so much their connection with the Force, and if we go to, uh, you know, the original trilogy, which I think we forget sometimes how much is actually in the original trilogy. Dave Filoni says it, you know, like, everything you need to know about Star Wars is in the movies, and while, like, this ancillary stuff is like super fun to dig into and maybe add some more world building like the the core things we need to know are in those films and if you go to the original trilogy when luke is training with his lightsaber on the millennium falcon in a new hope obi-wan's not teaching him forms he's not teaching him stances he's not you know sparring with him he's teaching him to focus on the force right when Luke is training with Yoda, he never picks up a lightsaber. It's all about the connection with the Force. And so when you think, like, when Luke's Jedi Order fell was because he picked up a blade, because he was going to solve his issues through violence, versus the second Death Star in crate when he chose nonviolent action, I think it just says a lot about... One, how amazing Luke is as a Jedi, um, despite his flaws. But two, it, it really just continues to show the brokenness of the Jedi Order.
0: Yeah, and the fact that, you know, you can even take it a step further and say that the ones who stressed the lightsaber fighting were probably the weakest Jedi. You know, we have Dooku, who this was obviously his skill. We know how that turned out. Then we have Qui-Gon, who, as we know in Master and Apprentice, he barely practiced with Obi-Wan. And that was a big point of contention, was that he uh, he was doing the, the basic movements over and over and over. We have Yoda, who, for all of his many, many, many flaws, was still a pretty, uh, a widely acclaimed Jedi. Um, but we see that he barely trains with Dooku, especially in lightsaber combat. Yeah. Um I so to... so we could even say that, yeah, maybe the strongest Jedi were the ones with the least connection to the lightsaber. I think that's a good point.
1: I want to come back to the the Yoda and Dooku thing, but yeah, the I mean it it's it's like doing any martial art really, lightsaber combat, right? Like Saber Martial Arts Foundation, go check it out. Um but it's, it's as much about the discipline of actually doing it as it is, like, a fight. Like, when I was doing Taekwondo, like, our teachers always emphasize, like, if you take this and you take it out into, you know, like, air quotes, the streets or whatever, and you use it to intimidate or to create power over somebody else, we will personally whoop your ass, you know, like, don't, you won't be allowed to come back in here. Um, like, you use this as a last resort. Um, and, I, and for the Jedi, though, it's, I mean, it was ceremonial. They said that in here. And I just find it very interesting how it had kind of moved from that martial discipline that we see in the original trilogy of not so much about the saber combat in and of itself but about what the saber combat can teach you, you know, Um, and and how you can learn from that. Whereas for the Jedi of the prequel era, it was more of a show, you know? Um, Anyways, I could talk about lightsaber combat forever. Let's go back to Yoda and Dooku. (laughs) Number one, what do you think Yoda's motivation was for taking Dooku as his apprentice?
0: I really don't know. That's kind of Me too. one. Yeah, that's one of the the plot points I felt. I don't want to say it was disappointing. I think it was very intentional that they didn't fill in a lot of the blanks. Uh, I think it's interesting that it should have been probably the most important relationship of Dooku's life, and he barely touches on it. You know, and Ventress is barely interested in it. Ventress absolutely knows who Yoda is. If I were her, I would want to dig into every single audio recording that talks about Yoda. And instead, she just glanced right through it, breezed right through it. Uh, I think it was intentionally, um, I don't want to say misled, but underutilized, I guess. Um, and I think it's weird, too, that we got it in a story that we can only see it from Dooku's point of view. I'd be really interested to see more of the promise that Yoda saw in him and why he was so interested. I would want to see if it is part of the reason why Yoda himself was called to go pick up Dooku from Sereno and not a Seeker. And then just why he seems so dismissive of him all the time. Was it because he saw a great promise in Dooku? Or was it because he was scared of what he saw?
1: Yeah. I want to jump to one point you said in there about, um, you know, Ventress recognizing Dooku, just a little nugget that I noticed. um, And then we'll come back to Yoda and Dooku. Did you notice that Ventress refers to Palpatine as the Hooded Man? Yeah, I did. I like that. So she did. I, I always thought she knew who Palpatine was. Again though, it's city. So I, I, mean. I would
0: assume that this was really early on in that relationship, so I don't know how much she knew at this point. Mm,
1: that's a good point. That's a good point. All right. So going back to Yoda and Dooku, I mean, here's the thing. We we bash on prequel Yoda a lot and it's merited to some extent um because he has I mean, he was the, the head of the order, so I mean, if you're the head of the organization that falls, like you're the one who everything's going to come down on, right? Like if you're the director of a movie that's supposed to be a huge deal and it fails, like nobody's going to talk about the the graphics creators who didn't do their job properly or how the script maybe was not executed to the best of its abilities. It's all going to come down on the director, right? That's just part of being in a leadership position takes. And for me, looking at it through the lens of a teacher, the way I'm kind of starting to view Yoda is as a teacher who is a great teacher, a great guider of students, but gets too focused on the test, you know, the high-stakes testing that happens. And I say that because I'm at fault this in my own right, that I'll do this. I get so in my zone of, like, all right, let's get this number and this number and this number that I have to, like... Stops sometimes and just remind my kids like yes this is what we're focusing on but i love you for other reasons like you're this is not your only definer this is just one factor you know and in the same sense you know yoda ha- is trying to as he says a master and apprentice just fulfill the mandates that the senate gives them because that is their job and that's taking away from his ability to actually impact certain jedi but when he steps out of that and steps into, like, his relationship with Dooku, I found it fascinating that he didn't acknowledge Dooku for the longest time, because Dooku's greatest flaw was his sense of privilege, his sense of self-righteousness that would eventually be his downfall. Um, So just as it—looking at it from that perspective, I thought what Yoda did there was really powerful— But I'm with you. I think it was very much underutilized. Because, I mean, really, that's the only lesson we get with Yoda, right?
0: In terms of their master and apprenticeship, yes. You know, there's a lot going. I felt like their relationship was stronger when Dooku was an initiate, as opposed to when he was a Padawan.
1: Yeah. And if you think, like, there's 10, 12, 15 years in there of lessons, and- I mean, there is a a point made that council members do not take Padawans. uh, You know, Qui-Gon talks about having to give up Obi-Wan if he joins the council. And in here, they mention when Yoda takes Dooku, like the Grand Master taking a Padawan, like it's almost unheard of. Um, And so just to say like, hey, this is this huge deal, but we're not going to talk about it that much was kind of a letdown for me. It was kind of a letdown for me. But I mean, that said, I did like the teachers that we got for Dooku. You know, I felt like um Dyas' master was a really, honestly, a really great teacher for him to have, because she got him to think outside of just the 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 Jedi doctrine. You know, and even though it, it eventually led to him to the dark side, I think as viewers as listeners like that's an important idea for us to consider she was kind of like the the aunt
0: who ends up raising the kids you know
1: yeah that's a good one
0: yeah it's like the kid being raised by like a single mom or dad who you know just needs the aunt to step in and help out and take charge through no fault of their own but that's that's the vibe i got and it was kind of like, would Dooku had been better served by a real master like that as opposed to someone who didn't pay attention to him?
1: Mm, that's a good point. Yeah, actually comparing them. One thing I just totally geeked out on on this one, and I thought of this because we're talking about uh, Sifo-Dyas' master, who I'm just going to keep calling her sifo master because I don't remember what her name is, but she had a Convor. I thought that was so cool. Yes,
0: be- I love that.
1: Because, well, first I was like, Convor. that's, isn't that, that's the owl thing that follows Ahsoka. And I was, like, driving or whatever, and so I forgot to look it up. And finally, like, I stopped myself, not while I was driving, but while I was <laughs> walking the dog or something. And I'm like, I got to look up Convor and make sure I'm not going crazy. And I freaked out, because, like. That's supposed to be, like, the ultimate
0: symbol of the light side. Right? No? Like.
1: Yeah. I don't know, like, maybe if we get more Dooku content, like, does this recontextualize how we see Ahsoka, how we see certain things that happen in Rebels? Like, it's kind of a big deal.
0: It it was a very understated deal, I think. And even the fact that the, the convor seem to not like other people, too. And to really have that connection with Dooku. You know, was it Mm. that he was more balanced than any other Jedi? Or was it that he really did have the potential for more light? Or does Ahsoka have the potential for... You know, there's so many questions it puts out there. But it's so eclipsed by all these other things being thrown at us in this drama that we just don't necessarily get all the payout on.
1: Well... And, it, and Dooku has always kind of had that air of not exactly fitting in with the Sith, you know? Um, we hear Darth Tyranus mentioned twice um, in the original trilogy, or the original trilogy, the prequel trilogy. Um, and, and just, I mean, if you compare him with Maul and Vader and Sidious, he just doesn't have the same air about him, right? So that idea of, yeah, the convoy connecting with him maybe because of his light potential or his balance potential uh, is, is really interesting. I don't know. More Dooku content. More Dooku content. Speaking <laughs> of more Dooku content, how do you feel like this, or do you feel rather, that this matched up well with Master and Apprentice in terms of A, how the Jedi Order was perceived and be, or uh, portrayed rather, and be how Dooku was portrayed.
0: Oh, it's the perfect companion piece. You know, and one of the things that stuck out to me in Master and Apprentice was how Qui-Gon seemed really confused by Dooku's decision. Not even just upset, not like he regretted it or he really missed him, he just genuinely seemed confused about the decision. And after reading this, yeah, totally understandable why that would confuse Qui-Gon. So I thought this was a really nice companion piece in terms of Dooku and Qui-Gon's relationship, in terms of how we see the Jedi Order. We definitely talked a lot about that. But also just in why the Jedi might have wanted to hide or shy away from a lot of these prophecies. Um, You know, just in terms of we're not even necessarily going to hide them. We're just gonna really downplay their significance and discredit them.
1: I'm still holding on to the head canon that Dooku got attached or influenced by the um I forget exactly what it says, but the prophecy that mentions the Jedi needing to end to cleanse the sins of the nameless or yeah. and you know
0: Many Jedi will die to cleanse the sins of or many will die to cleanse the sins of the Jedi?
1: Something along that line. Yeah. Basically, what it comes down to is the Jedi need to end because of the the sins against the, the Nameless. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, there we go. The sins of the Nameless. It, I think it still fits <laughs> in with... Um, or at, at least potentially fits in with what we have here. I found it really intriguing that Dooku and Qui-Gon started off kind of rocky and of course in master and apprentice we see qui-gon and obi-wan started off kind of rocky uh in in other media we've seen like successful padawan um apprentice relationships like Kanan and ezra started off with a lot of problems even luke and yoda anakin uh, and ahsoka anakin and ahsoka
0: also i found it because it was killing me only through sacrifice of many jedi will the order cleanse the sin done to the nameless coming in
1: clutch i think it's really interesting that you have all these a these these masters who maybe don't exactly fit in with uh, the way things are air quotes done around here um that end up creating the best padawans you know uh qui-gon being the outcast like even though Obi-Wan was a part of the original Jedi order, if you can if you honestly can look in the mirror and say to yourself that Obi-Wan is not one of the best of the Jedi, you need to go rewatch the movies. <laughs> get
0: a new mirror. Yeah, get get a new <laughs>
1: mirror and maybe a new personality. Uh, <laughs> you know, but you but you have Ahsoka who again like even though she's not a Jedi, she she is a pinnacle of what a Jedi should be. Um Luke, i mean come on luke doesn't become who luke is without yoda having those 20 years to recontextualize the force and, and and his place in it and what it means to be a master and it there's this new theme that seems to be running through pretty prevalently um of these a these flawed teachers but to these teachers and masters kind of butting heads which of course connects with exactly what we see with Rey and Luke. Like, it's all connected, guys. It's all connected.
0: Yeah, and we even now know, you know, a thousand generations live in you, and when Yoda is saying to Luke, pass on what you've learned, even your failures, that's the whole point. It's supposed to be this chain of passing on everything you've learned until we get to Rey, where now it's literally a thousand generations live in her because it's all these generations it is from yoda to dooku to qui-gon and so on and so forth finally
1: cultivating in ray it's what i'm i mentioned on the last episode i'm calling the jedi family tree you know like we have this direct line from like you said yoda or excuse me uh yeah yoda to dooku to qui-gon to obi-wan to luke to ray um And, of of course, Anakin in there also, but he's kind of like an outlier. He's a special circumstance because he's the chosen one. It's just... For those of you that don't think Disney has a plan of what's going on, ladies and gentlemen, they have a plan of what's going on. All of this stuff is connected. Like I really think we'll come back after Rise of Skywalker and... Be like, oh, you remember that thing in Dooku? You remember that thing in Master and Apprentice? It's not a coincidence. 100%. It's not a coincidence that the stuff and, is coming out the time it is.
0: And not not to say that the people who don't follow every single page like we do are going to misunderstand or not enjoy Rise of Skywalker, but we, I think, are going to really see a lot of things come to light that uh, that were introduced in these stories.
1: I think it'll be like Rogue One but more on the mythology side of things, yes. right? Yeah. You know, Rogue One had a ton of easter eggs. Even Solo had a ton of easter eggs in it. But I think when we get to when we, when we get those rewatches of Rise of Skywalker, we're going to be like, "What?" And it's just going to be it's going to be great. Um I I wanted to close on one final thing, one final conundrum of this uh i wanted to say book this audio drama what's up with dooku's name oh
0: just dooku sereno is it dooku sereno i think so or i is- always thought
1: dooku was the last name but apparently not see but that's what i don't know because like does his sister go by sereno like do they I think so. because every... I mean, I
0: don't know what they thought his name was growing up because, like, sifo seems... To... Isn't that a first and a last name? No? Well, no, it's hyphenated. Oh, it is hyphenated.
1: So Dooku goes yeah. by Dooku, but his family name is Sereno. So it could be That's Dooku Sereno, or we could have, like, just Dooku, like he's Cher or something. I don't... Like he's Cher. I'm... Or is
0: it like uh, like in Vietnam where it's the last name comes first? You
1: know what? It could be. Yeah. I don't know. Duku I don't know. I'm okay with not having it, but I was kind of ready for one of those sheep It's like, why, why bring it up?
0: Why bring it up, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, and, and they directly say in there, like, the, the planet is named after the family, ergo right, implying do. that, you know, Sereno is the last name of the family. So, is, you know what? And,
0: well, don't they call his brother, um, whatever the brother's name is, Sereno? in the not the pod racing scene but like the I think I, I was picturing um the same kind of races that they have in resistance.
1: Yeah that's what I was kinda of picturing okay. too yeah yeah. Uh I think they called him Count of Sereno because he was already the Count at that uh, point. Oh okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's interesting. I would like to know. I'm okay with not knowing I think I prefer not knowing
0: because It's those little tiny details that I feel like trap you up and it closes things off where in the future, you know, like they joke about um, how in Revenge of the Sith, um, yeah, Revenge of the Sith, Anakin has that line to Grievous where he's like, you're shorter than I expected. So when they went back and they did the Clone Wars, they had to make sure that Anakin and Grievous had no scenes together because of that one little throwaway line that George Lucas never would have expected what was coming. But he put that little line in there, and now Dave Filoni has the giant headache of how do I make sure these two characters never intersect?
1: But see, I feel like saying the planet Sereno is named after the family creates more of that issue than just saying his name is like Bob Dooku. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, I, I don't know. It's one of those little things, again, I went in with the expectation that we were going to find out probably because we found out Sheev's name in Tarkin and and it was a the dark side connection there. So I don't know, but I just- No, a little weird, for sure. I want to know, really what I want to know is if Dooku is just a singular name, if he's just Dooku, because I want to know if that's a possibility in the Star Wars galaxy. Like it's a fair question. I don't know. These are the things that keep me up at night. Oh, it must be tough to be you. Uh, it really, it's it's rough. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll re-listen to it again. I spent the money on Audible, so I might as well keep on listening yeah, to it. Yeah, <laughs> get a good return on your investment there. <laughs> I ran out of. Uh, so I finished Duku the second time. Ran out of podcasts yesterday, and I was like, "Do I do I listen to yeah, Duku yeah. again? I don't. Mm-hmm. It's afternoon time. I don't listen to music in the afternoon time. So what do I? Uh, and then of course San Diego sabers <laughs> comes through in the clutch providing Mm -hmm. a podcast so uh, yes they do Uh, anything else you wanted to touch on before we close up the show
0: Uh, no I think this you know like we said it was a phenomenal companion piece to Master and Apprentice I enjoyed it a little bit more the second time around I'm totally game if they do more stories in this format I just want some kind of transcript or actual hardcover option so I can go in and retain the information the way I need to
1: yeah I'm with you there let's let's bounce off of that if we were to get some other content connected to this could be you know books comics audio drama movie whatever wherever you want to take it something that will look back and say oh hey that's from uh dooku jedi lost what would you like to see
0: um I would like to talk about some of the um, the busts that they saw in the Jedi library.
1: Mm, the you know, Lost 20?
0: Yeah, yeah. Two in particular. There was Radaki, who became the Sith Lord Darth Krawl. And Trannis, I think that's the one who I would probably want to see. Uh, my understanding is that's the one who won the quote-unquote Battle of Wasted Years, who Yoda also knew. So I think getting that type of battle with yoda you know is a nice entry point in so we still feel comfortable we still feel like we know some of the characters where we are and just to have a really cool you know another jedi lost um in a probably old republic or as they call it the high republic would be awesome
1: i want to see the jedi going out and collecting those dark side artifacts that are in the bogan collection Oh, yeah. How cool would that... Be? How, yeah, that would be awesome. How cool, how cool would,
0: be? would it be to be, like, a video game of that?
1: No, 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 because I'm not good at video games. <laughs> I, I want I want a movie. I want a movie that includes that in it. I'm going All with right, that. that's fair. That's fair. Especially, I mean, it's it, there's potential, especially if we get the, the Old Republic uh, movie series that has been rumored as long as the Kenobi uh, stuff has been. Anyways... I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna end up coming back to this more than we expect in the long run. I don't think they would have put the type of time and investment that it takes to get a full cast for this if it wasn't important to to the overall story. So I think there's a lot in here that we could continue to dig into, but we're gonna have to hold off on that because it's time to end the show. <laughs> Um, this is where I do the, the ending part, but just like I did with the intro, I forgot what I'm supposed to say. So, uh, let's go with this. SaberMartialArts.com. Go check it out. Saber Martial Arts Foundation. Also, go check out our, uh, new affiliate, which is HappyBeeps.net. We're super excited to be working with them. We're going to have some, um, special stuff for you on the flagship show. So make sure you go check that out. Cranic Pop Vinyl. Go leave us a rating review. Send me a picture. Where can you send me a picture? ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com at ClashingSabers on Twitter. You could send it on Instagram, but I probably won't get it because I have way too many Instagram accounts on there and I forget to check it. So I would not suggest <laughs> that. Lindsay, go.
0: All right, find me on Twitter, ms. Lindsay G, ms Lindsay G or on Instagram, Full Force Lindsay. And check out our Facebook page. There's always tons of cool stuff going on there. A lot of positivity and just people supporting other fan creations, whether it's podcast videos, blogs um so definitely come join up share whatever it is you're working on in the star wars universe and get to uh, connect and meet some other fans
1: all right and until next time keep reading keep writing but whatever you do don't burn the sacred text